0: Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 85 for Thursday, October 29th. I'm Alex Dewey. I'm here with Ray Estrada. He has all the words for us today. Dodgers are the World Series champs. Oh yeah, Farbode Markazi's here too. Hi Farbode.
1: Thanks. Hi.
0: Um, i here. So that was it. That's all I'm here for. I did the intro today. Uh, our resident Dodgers fan expert insider whatever you want to call him he's not really an insider um he's he's gonna talk a lot about how he's how he's feeling about the dodgers um, he's inside la and maybe i'll ask him some questions i'll ask him some of the uh the post-game press conference easy lob questions and, and let him let him do the rest how does that sound to you i like it okay Can i start yeah yeah ray yes how
1: do you feel about walker bueller's pants
0: not tight enough. <laughs> See. See I feel, I, know,
1: feel
2: I, like long the, long I feel like
0: I'm in the I feel like I'm in a press conference right now. It's it's <laughs> just for reporters. Is this how press conferences are done nowadays, so. It's just well, the reporters reporters ask the the basic questions rephrased like a million different ways like like what what is this? What does this World Series mean to you? Because you, you have to ask it, right? You, right have, you have to give him a chance like or you know, does it feel good or however else. And then they'll ask some some random question just to to be a little a little bit more out there to to have the uh have the fun question so to speak that has nothing to do with anything
1: no matter the sport i love it when reporters ask the champion um players uh so you won back in x year which one means more
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's like telling a parent to to say on live on television to the world which which child they love more. Most of them wouldn't do it, I imagine. I don't know. I'm Especially
2: when ask. it's with two different teams, two different franchises. It's
1: like, <laughs> hey, you all won. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> uh, be- before Ray takes it over, all I'm going to say is I am, as a pitcher in high school... I'm a, first of all, I'm an Angels fan, so not a Dodgers fan. But as a pitcher in high school, war 22 for Kershaw. Extremely happy for Kershaw. Um, he, he deserved a ring. One of the best pitchers of this generation of all time.
0: Absolutely, definitely, hundred percent—the worst postseason pitcher in in postseason history, from what I've read. Um, has finally got a ring, and uh, yeah, I'll let I'll let Ray talk a little bit here. Uh, for about I'm I'm just gonna mute you now. I'm gonna mute myself. Too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go, go ahead, Ray. Just just give us, give us the night. Give paint paint the picture in your in your house, in your viewing okay. experience. Go. So about
2: 10 minutes before the game starts, my parents are on their way home from, like, uh, they were out for the day. We're going to come home, watch it. My sister was home from uh, school for a couple nights uh, from college. My dad texts me to go get beer. <laughs> I drive down to our local liquor store, grab some beer, get back in my truck, check my phone, see that Randy Rose Rain and hit a solo home run. I turn on the radio as I take the two minutes to drive up, to drive back up. I had to setting up my projector. He says, "I'm not taking the ladder down yet," because he's unsure how this inning's gonna go. We're yelling at the TV because Gonsolin can't throw a strike, <laughs> but he gets out of the inning. Uh, Blake Snell comes in, strikes out all three Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin comes out again, uh, still doesn't look good, still struggling. I think it's a leadoff double. But then he gets pulled. Rosarain is up with two men on, and Dylan out with three three straight change ups to strike him out. And I was sitting there this whole time like it's still a one nothing game. Snell continues to shove. It's like okay, it's still a one nothing game. We're all starting to settle in. We're drinking, and you know Snell shoving. The Dodgers bullpen is dominating. Alex Wood of all people is dominating right now. Austin Barnes gets a hit in the sixth inning. And then Kevin Cash comes out of the dugout. And he points to the bullpen. And I don't think I've ever been more excited for a pitching change in my life. (laughs) And I don't think the Dodgers were either. He brings in Nick Anderson, part of the three-headed monster for the Rays. But the worst one in this postseason. He's given up a run in every appearance in the World Series. In all but two of his postseason appearances. Comes in to face Mookie Betts. Throws two wild fastballs. Doubles. Then he throws a wild pitch to tie the game. And then Mookie Betts takes home on a fielder's choice by Corey Seager. A chopper right to the first baseman. With the infield drawn in. Mookie Betts scores. Then... You get nervous for the bullpen. You're like, oh no, this might mean Kenley has this game. Gratterall comes in, or Gonzalez comes in, finishes up. Gratterall, no, Gratterall, then Gonzalez. Then Urias comes in, and he gets seven up and seven down. And I mean that 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 last inning was so fast. Mookie had that home run. That actually, if he didn't hit that home run, my dad would have won a thousand dollars in a. Uh, squares pool for the last game of the World Series so could have done without that but it helped in the general sense and then such a fast last inning you only need to get the first two outs because you knew Adamus wasn't going to hit and then it's just like it, it's it's still just kind of surreal like my dad doesn't cry and he had tears in his eyes like he's waited 32 years since 88 we're all hugging each other and everything we don't Like my family doesn't do that, but like that happened. Fireworks are going off down the street and stuff and police helicopters going. It it was it was one it it was one of the greatest moments of my life
0: to experience that. Well, that was that was something. That was more thorough than I was expecting, honestly. (laughs) That was better. But the ending the payoff was there. The payoff was there, the tears, the the loud celebrations, all over LA. Um, the ce- the celebrations were loud in a different way, for the Dodgers. I, I I'm afraid to admit in in a different sense, in a in a more newsworthy sense. In that, <laughs> Justin Turner. A, a little a little mid game move that some people might have s- scratched their heads at at the time. Uh, but probably didn't pay much attention to because it was a one-run game for, for a majority of the game. And there were there were other things to focus on. And pretty much right after the game, right after the Dodgers piled on the field and celebrated, um, there are reports that are confirmed by Fox and, and by the Dodgers and, and everybody there that Justin Turner was pulled from the game because he tested positive for covid and that test result came back <laughs> during Game Six, the final game of the World Series, and everybody's just standing here, like, you know, everybody who's not still still in a in a daze from from the Dodgers winning is like, wait, what? 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 What's your, what do you mean? Is this is this fake? Is this satire? Is this? Um, this is really bad timing. Uh, I didn't
1: believe it. It I was. I didn't believe it at first. I <laughs> was like.
0: But then I saw, like, who it came from, like,
2: this, like, it was coming from reporters. It's like, that wouldn't, like, no. And then you're like, wait, yeah, Turner wasn't in the mob on the field. And you're like, oh, it is real.
1: (laughs) And then I saw him out there on, uh, like, with the celebration, taking the team picture. At first he had a mask on. And I was like, maybe he's doing, maybe it's not real and he's doing that as a joke. And then he took his mask off. and I was like, I really hope it's a joke now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's different arguments to be made about his actions, but regardless, it's if he did test positive, kind of not the smartest move. But he he, as Trevor Bauer said, um, uh, you spend the entire game high-fiving, hanging out with your teammates. You get pulled in the sixth inning, and you get don't get to celebrate um, winning that piece of metal as as rob manford calls it um i mean th- th- there's different arguments you could, you, you could justify his actions for wanting to celebrate but also this man had covid yeah i mean you
2: could argue that he got pulled for optics sake because um, like i said so to break down the timeline apparently they you know daily covid testing they sent mlb sends the test to a lab in utah So there's not, like, on-site testing or anything close. Nothing in Texas. It's in Utah. So it's usually overnight. The tests come back during the second inning of Game 6. Justin Turner is just inconclusive. And so they expedite his Tuesday test. And I guess the tests only take, like, two hours to actually run. So they expedite his test. And... It comes back positive in the seventh inning. They contact Dodgers, get him out of the game. And then apparently, MLB said they, you know, tried to enforce him staying isolated. I guess his wife was also in isolation with him or allowed to join him in isolation. And he just said no and ended up on the field, uh, at times maskless, holding the trophy. And it it's awful optics for. Justin Turner, again, not the smartest move, but I don't. None of us have been in that position of I have just accomplished winning a World Series, and I'm not allowed. I feel I feel perfectly fine. I'm not sick in a you know outrelated way, and I can't celebrate with my team. I don't think any of us can understand exactly the thought process of that, and you know because Justin yeah, I mean, Turner. Is a fantastic guy. I don't think he wants to jeopardize the health of, of you know, the players and their families. But put yourself in that spot and, and try to tell I me see. that you would you would not at least strongly consider going out there.
1: I see it both ways. I mean, you look at a, the there's always arguments made that like people with strong immune systems are gonna be fine with it. And uh, but I mean we saw Freddie Freeman who. Uh, before the season started basically said yeah I was basically I, there was w- the worst night of it he was he said I was praying to God that I was I wasn't gonna die that night. So that's one side of it um, but then yeah like not to mention Justin Turner's not like this 23 year old like second year player. this man's been on the Dodgers for a very long time. He's a veteran in the game now. they've been like in what the Dodgers along with Justin Turner have been through over the past like however many years. Of losing playoff series, losing the World Series, um, finding out the t- 2017 World Series was cheated, like they were cheated from it, like this this championship means a lot to all the core Dodgers um, Dodgers players on that team. So, like, there's arguments to be made on both sides. Yeah, it just it's it, I I just don't know how to get past the so, yeah you need to celebrate, but then all of a sudden, what if you got so-and-so sick and, like, they took it home to their families or whatever? I don't know.
0: Right, it, and it's an emotional decision. It's the it's the highest emotional situation that you could possibly imagine for anybody. And the fact is, that this, it was an emotional decision. The decision should not have been his. Like, yes. MLB, first of all, you know, the, the whole testing situation with the inconclusive test and you know in the follow up coming in positive and pulling him from the game you know not just awful optics just awful yeah action and oh, well, even and if, then even if even, if even the, the test... quarantining you yeah. know that that's not that's not on Justin Turner to decide and like no you know what I'm going out there like no if if the personnel that were there were doing their jobs it would be I'm sorry we can't let you like I know this is difficult and I know you should be on a car back to the hotel
1: Exactly. It was also under the understanding that if the test comes back inclusive in any of the sports, they're not playing that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a different issue right there. Yeah,
2: that's a different. It, and the issue is too, like, what if that first test is positive? It came back in the second inning. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to stop the game. Game seven is going to be postponed probably indefinitely because you're going to have, I assume, other positives. We haven't heard any news today. But yeah, thankfully, a, Justin Turner's actions distract from the complete mishandling of the situation by mlb and in a way they exemplify it too by letting him back out there like you said the decision shouldn't shouldn't be his um yeah and and if you're gonna if
0: you're gonna judge a person based on their in in that state you know making an incredibly emotional decision and not really relying on on rationality if, if you're gonna use that to judge him it's it's probably not fair to judge anybody when they're in that in that state but yeah um
2: and and also too it comes back to the core of the thing mlb supposedly had a bubble and they have a positive test in the bubble they had a shorter bubble because it was only playoffs so it was only a month-long bubble a shorter bubble than the nba nba and nhl who recorded no positive tests the mlb barely got they couldn't even quite make it a month without having a positive test so like are we going to find out where he contracted it um i don't think they interacted with the fans but who knows like th- this is a huge issue for MLB and the MLB is using definitely going to use Justin Turner to deflect uh, their uh, to deflect the blame onto him if something goes down and not the fact that they couldn't protect their players for a month in a bubble.
0: Yeah, I- exactly. Um, we have very openly voiced our displeasure with major league baseball's handling the booze for Manfred. Yeah. When he was at the podium, that soothed my soul. <laughs> yep. that That's exactly where I was going. Um, he wore it. He absolutely wore it. He paused. To, to wait for the booing to die down uh, as he, he presented he the World Series trophy. He was
1: struggling hand- speaking when he was handing Corey Seager uh, his... Did he uh, just
2: like pound a handle between the the piece of metal presentation and the MVP presentation?
1: Well, That man was I, rattled. I, I, <laughs> I saw somewhere on social media that has no proof or anything whatsoever, but it said... This, these are like if this happened this fast this he could be having like a mental uh health episode so i mean i hope he's i hope he's healthy now, people
2: were gen- now, like people like it was genuinely concerning like is he that I, drunk or is he having like a stroke or something no like, i don't i don't
0: yeah, think I, he. you know it's th- i think that was a little over like i watched it yeah he, he couldn't get the words out that happens to people who are being wholeheartedly booed by an, not an entire stadium. Uh, he was slurring, though. It wasn't like he was, like, stammering and, like... Yeah, no, this He the was slurring is his
2: stammering. words.
1: It, yeah, it... It was closer to drunk than nervous. Um, but at the same time, if the booze were what it caught him, wait until the co- post-COVID and you have 40,000 people in the, in the stands. Because that... It, I mean... We not to even change the topic, but kinda of change the topic. Uh, <laughs> we talked about it last week. When when the Astros play in front of actual fans, like the full stadium of fans, they're gonna get booed heavily. And they're not ready for that. Yeah. And same thing with Manfred.
2: Man- Manfred should call the NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman, on how to uh just talk through the booze during a trophy presentation. No, 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 been no, no. He needs to years. talk
1: to he needs to talk to uh Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell, actually I guess um, the late um, David Stern, started the commissioner booing, and then Roger Goodell took it on,
0: uh, strongly. Interesting history of commissioner booing. Yeah, <laughs> um, we don't like you Rob Manfred, it's because of what you did to the game, as a person I don't know you, I, I'm not going to speak that way, I'm just not a fan of anything you've done. Since you've, uh, since you've taken, taken charge of the game that we all like yeah, so I mean, much.
1: It's, it's, not, it's not like we don't like him as a person. It's, I don't know him as a person. I can't, not, I can't judge yeah, him that way. We're definitely not a fan of... Uh, the He's shit at, at his, his job. Yes. <laughs> no. yes. And this is a sport that we care about a lot.
0: So, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot of, of decisions that will be made over the offseason. And I'm sure we're going to revisit this topic plenty so let's save let's keep some ammunition in the chamber for the rob manford bashing how about it I mean, there's still some other things that i i think are worth talking about in this i don't game. think we will ever exhaust the rob manford bashing no he'll uh, he'll keep feeding us ammunition just, for sure
1: let's just uh return to the positive the dodgers won the world series yes wait actually
0: can we can we go back to negatives because i want to talk about kevin cash now yes how can we do that
1: but that was it's kind of a positive mood for ray <laughs>
0: yes but we're we're gonna continue attacking we're gonna shift the attack from rob manfred into kevin cash no and i i'm actually i'll I'll let you guys speak first on this but um even as a yankees fan i'm not here to bash kevin cash for a a singular decision he made in games in six of uh, this game but ray mentioned it as the turning point of his I, i don't even know what what you call that the uh the saga of of the Dodgers game six uh viewing experience
1: because when they uh when the Rays made it to the World Series people were like man Kevin Cash is an incredible manager like incredible this, incredible that I I think um just going through uh I mean talking to you guys during while it happened afterwards going through social media everyone was everyone was talking about it and some people were saying sabermetrics have come to ruin our I don't think that's true. I think, I think it's when sabermetrics are the end all be all, that sometimes ends up not working for some teams, and I don't understand why you take Blake Snell out there. I, he was shoving. uh, There's the there's the on on the field aspect of it that this man was going like he gave up a hit. He gave up a single like a little soft line drive to center field it's not like he get, he was the last two outs he got were driven to the wall and he was missing his location his velocity was dropping he gave up a single and then uh, like so he gave up a single you take him out but and you do have good like bullpen pieces you do have good people um, coming behind him but there's so there's the on, on the field aspect of the fact that he was just shoving and then there's the psychological aspect, and Ray even brought it up. It's not just psychological for the team. Obviously, the team matters more um, in this case. But the fans, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, it's the middle of the sixth inning, and they're taking Blake Snell out? Like, this this was going to be the guy that was at least going to get them through hopefully six, seven, eight, at least make it a 1-0, 1-1 game, and then let the bullpen take it from there. But you got to find some sort of – I mean – I know Corey Seeger won the uh, series MVP, but has you guys? I, I, wouldn't it be funny if like they they decided to give the series MVP to either the manager or like someone who hit like oh fifty in like a series on the
0: opposing team? <laughs> it sounds like something we would do if we were giving awards. Yeah. Ray, what it? Wh- it I, I know I know it was a, a huge game changing moment i i guess the the question isn't so much like what did you think of the decision it's what did you think of the response because the response was wholly against kevin cash and as Bode mentioned a quick turnaround from him being um you know touted as the best leading up to that one decision basically well i mean the i think the response at least on cash
2: i think he is justified um, that, like, we talked about earlier before we started, the attack on analytics in general is not, I mean, that that's not what informed this decision. Because uh, if the analytics had informed this decision, Blake Snell is still in that game. But, so, it's being compared to him taking Charlie Morton out in Game 7 of uh, the ALCS. And not taking Glassnat out earlier this series that 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 too but so he took morton out who was dealing not necessarily nearly as dominant as blake snell was looking and also the bullpen pieces that he had in that game seven were better um they they were performing better at the time uh this series you know the formula for the rays was getting beat um the Rays pitching was getting beat (laughs) that yesterday was the lowest scoring game for the Dodgers in the entire series with three runs. Um, You know, the Dodgers had touched up everybody Anderson uh, Fairbanks, even Castillo. They've gotten hits off of everybody, but Aaron loop essentially Um, the Dodgers were touching up. Uh, They touched up, you know, Glasnow and Morton. So, you know, they're, Beating the Rays at their own game in a way, so to try and stick to your to your game plan, he said it was a gut feeling to take Snell out, and you know if Snell does give up, you know a home run to Mookie or the same thing happens with Snell, and then or maybe wondering why he didn't take him out, but there wasn't much of anything to indicate that he he was done. At that point, it's a do or it's a do or die for you in in the race situation. He's. The next three guys coming up are over six six strikeouts. Mookie Betts, for whatever reason this year, struggles against left-handers, and you know, he he takes him out very quickly too. I think I think that was the other part of it is that he walked right out of the dugout and and pulled him. He didn't let Snell or Zanino try and you know talk him out of that out of that thought. So Snell is frustrated, and I mean. We talk about the psychological aspect too. Mookie Betts it was either Dave Roberts or Mookie Betts, but Mookie Betts turned to Dave Roberts when he saw Cash come out of the dugout and smiled at him. And they were and every Dodger to a T said, Yeah, no, that, that made us feel a lot better. So that was the lifeline. You know, it was a one nothing game, but you had no idea how the Dodgers were gonna push that one run across with how Snell was throwing and to just so suddenly just you know take him out of there and bring in probably the worst option um out of, out of that out of that bullpen to face the topper lineup that's pretty indefensible not saying he has to be fired for it but there was no real justifying the move that he did given the all the aspects surrounding it
0: yeah you you hit a lot of points there i guess so the first the first thing being that hindsight is always 2020 the the right decision is always apparent when it's all said and done because it either worked out or it didn't work out and you know you mentioned Blake Snell could have given up that run or those two runs himself he could have it's, it's possible Blake Snell didn't finish six innings the entire year that was a story the whole postseason that kept being brought up and you know that shouldn't serve your basis for anything Um, but it was clearly, clearly what the Rays had planned, not just for this game, for every other game with Blake Snell. That's how they use him. And, you know, like you said, showed that managing a baseball game takes a little bit of both. You, as a manager, your job, you make a plan with your team of coaches, very informed plan, not just you sitting down with your lineup card and making the plan yourself. That's not how it works in Major League Baseball. You go out there and execute the plan on the biggest stage, right? Even even yeah. more, you you go out and and you, you move the pieces around and the players are the ones who execute. And then you pray because no matter what happens, if it goes right or if it goes wrong, it's going to fall on you. That's your job as a manager. It's an unenviable position. Right. And they know that's the job the, the, he this is not a surprise to him he, he knows whatever happens here is going to fall on me because that's my job he's a he's a what's something that absorbs um, a lot of he's a punching bag how about that that's that's his job you know he he's absorbs, our designated drywall. he absorbs he absorbs the good stuff as well I I, I don't know like a sponge I guess um, <laughs> he. He knows the job, and he's a a terrible manager because earlier this year, he just straight up lost his cool and started threatening other teams by saying, like, we're going to hit you in the head with fastballs, essentially. You know, not word for word, but he lost his cool, and that as the manager, your job is not to lose your cool. Your job is to handle the media, not get it all riled up. So in that respect, I agree. He's a bad manager, but in this case, he made a decision he's been making all season long, and, it, and it's a decision yeah. that's not entirely his. People that want to point fingers, uh, even in the back of their minds, they probably know it's not only him, but he's the one that goes out there and takes the ball from Blake Snell. That hurts. He was under 80 pitches. That hurts. Struck out the first three batters in that lineup, both times, first two times to the order. You have to like those chances. You have to be paying attention to the game, and you got to go out there and say, you have to be my best, my best player if you want to win, right? That's that's how it's got to be as a manager, as, as anybody out there. Um, that's what it came down to. He didn't have his best guy out there. Nick Anderson, pretty good pitcher in every other respect. Struggled a little in the postseason. But, you know, that was their plan going into the game all year long. It was Snell for five, and then we go some combination of Anderson, Fairbanks, and Castillo, lock it down, maybe bring in Loop for a lefty or two. And that's it that's the plan so kevin cash probably not gonna get fired because he he is perfect for that raise approach of don't make emotional decisions that's how they play the whole year they they trust what they're doing and kevin cash will go out there and be a trigger man no matter what because he knows like you know i'm just doing my job basically um
1: i yeah i so yeah i mean like We've, we've touched on this. It's and you you brought up a really good point that I think explains it really well. Sabermetrics, obviously, like the attack on analytics, statistics, sabermetrics, the whatever you want to say, that's what got them to the World Series. Like that, their plan of action, how you explained it, their the way they had their plan, their what, how their game plan overall. How they um, pitch their team, how they make their managerial and coaching decisions—it's all—it's all what they do. So, like, on one hand, you ha- you can't fault the manager because in the, at the end of the day, it is a coach's. Uh, the, all the coaches can do is try to put the players in the, in the best positions they can be to succeed. I just think when you have a Blake Snell who's shoving like that and gives up a infield single give him another batter and then, and then make that decision
0: yeah and you, i don't want to talk too much about this because i i am admittedly biased but the rays didn't lose because of kevin Cash, the rays lost because they were the inferior team no question they 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 were arguably the inferior team in every series that they played except for you know the blue jays wildcard series against you know eighth seed team there whatever every matchup you know, you look at the, the roster that they have and the on-paper, you know, situation that they have. They, they worked extremely well with what they had. And they had the tough. players, I, I will credit the players more than anything, that showed up and just completely balled out. Took it to the Yankees, took it to the Astros, who are, are not easy opponents. I would say they they probably had a harder road than the than the Dodgers did. At least the Dodgers made it look much easier because they're a stronger yeah. team. The Dodgers are a stronger team. It they they, they kind of they made both it very really really easy. T- have t- t- <laughs> tough roads. But I mean the the Braves, you can argue, are better than the Rays. Or the Astros, you mean? Or, yeah, whatever. It, it it doesn't it doesn't matter. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is that the Rays players showed up. They showed up when on paper, they weren't projected to, and the Dodgers players showed up when they were projected to crush the Rays. They did. They didn't crush them. They beat them tenderly. They gave them a couple wins, including an absolutely insane Game Four, which you know we didn't talk about at all. But just some just some horrible mechanical baseball to end off that one. I'll just say that. Uh, go go watch the highlight if you haven't. And. That's that's what it came... It, it always comes down to the players. Randy Rosarena played out of his mind. That is not something the Rays thought they had in their arsenal. But then they did, and they are like, okay, you're our, you're our two-hitter or our three-hitter, and you're going to provide all the offense. The rest of the Rays' lineup was atrocious. And it wasn't good on paper. So, you know, are they really... They somehow underperformed in the World Series to what their already mediocre lineup was. Willie Adamas, like you said earlier, can't hit. He, he just straight up couldn't do it. And the, the fact that they're getting Wander Franco next year makes me a little scared. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> imagine them with a shortstop who can hit the ball. And Brandon Lau had some humongous hits. That's his game plan. He gets the big hits, and the rest of the time, he's a blank. He's a zero. He strikes out way too much. Yeah, and doesn't he walk. He basically hit the same pitch all three times. Yeah. He
2: just hit a fastball, belt high outside, went with it, and hit out of the park. Yeah, if they threw any other pitch, he was not
0: touching it. Mike Zunino got his first hit in Game Six, of the World Series. Yeah, and he was arguably their second best hitter coming into the series. It's it's just it's on on paper. You know, you got You you look you look at things on paper. You have to you have to throw it out the window for the for for any of these these postseason games because it's such a small sample size. But again, you're not going to be surprised when the Rays' lineup can't handle the Dodgers because they weren't expected to be that good. So they lost this coming into it. Every team that loses in, in the playoffs does. They lose it before it starts, really, because it's about the guys that you have that you can roll out there. That's it. That's all, that's all I have to say about the Rays, about the Dodgers and the World Series. Um, did, was there anything huge that, that I glossed over that you want to, you want to circle back to? Uh, I'll ask you first, Ray. Um,
2: I, uh, I'll, I'll point out that uh, we talked about a, Awesome. This postseason, 10 home runs, uh, with 28, 29 hits in this postseason, mm-hmm. only one hits. with only one with thrown scoring position yeah and that was in game five in a losing effort so absolutely crazy i mean is that partly his fault yes because it seemed like he had some opportunities but there also a lot of times there wasn't guys on base for him so um yeah like like you mentioned the rays didn't really show up Kiermaier short sort of did in, in the world series he was a turned into a bit of a dangerous bat at the bottom of the order, but he had auto outs at seven and eight at seven and nine with uh with Adamas and, and Zanino and you know, their pitching carry them there. They barely escaped both of their LDS and their LCS. They were three nothing in the LCS and almost lost that. And arguably they easily could have lost the first three games of of that series. So, you know, they they finished with a negative two run differential,
0: and the they Dodgers did.
2: The Rays did. Oh, the Rays did. Okay. R- Dodgers finished plus thirty five. That makes more sense. Yeah, but the Rays made it to Game Six of the World Series and had a negative two run differential. So they, they you know, the way their team is built worked until they ran into a
0: team built much better than they are hanging by a thread is the term
1: i uh what i have that we don't have enough time to talk about is uh what this world series what this playoff is going to end up meaning for the future oh that's that's a whole that's a whole another podcast
0: baby yeah we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna come at you with all the the hot takes about what we think the playoffs will look like next year in the year after what that what rules of baseball look like next year. <laughs> yeah how history will see this one is there an asterisk of course there is but what does the asterisk mean that's where the question is well that all that will come very soon because it, it's that time of year and of course of course we'll talk about a lot of other off-season stuff as well free agency and and all that good stuff so we're we're ready for the off season um this was a fun season even though it was short and frustrating oh so frustrating from for many reasons but um we did have baseball to watch for some time and we'll have more baseball to talk about at some point hopefully i don't know the world is is in a a questionable trajectory this is like best like negative
2: sounding podcast but like like a lot of shit just went down. Like I'm very excited the Dodgers won the World Series, but there's a lot of
0: stuff that happened that people aren't happy about. Yeah. This <laughs> this is the one justice of twenty twenty so far. Yeah. I guess the Lakers winning for, for Kobe too. Good congrats for them. But like you know what I mean? Lakers. LA wins battle of the bubble. You gotta you gotta take little victories where you can. If you wanna take a big victory, you gotta vote. So do that. Uh nobody's listening oh, yeah, to this. No vote. Who hasn't go voted? Vote. Hopefully, but go vote, and you know or, why? Why even be ambiguous about it? Go vote for Joe Biden, please, because otherwise <laughs> it's like you're not doing anything. Um, well, v- vote for other people, other, um, you know, off- offices except for president. But y- you know what I mean. The, 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 the point. The point remains. Vote for morality. Yes. Good, I don't trust good place. Other people's conscience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's let's not make it confusing. <laughs> um, that is it for today. Thank you everybody for sticking around and joining us. Uh, if you did enjoy, make sure rate and comment and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. Connect with us on social media at BeatTheShiftBP Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our website's BeatTheShiftBaseball.com, where all our podcasts are, articles, anything else, it's all there. That is it for today. Thank you, everybody. One last time, congratulations again to you, Ray, to the Dodgers. As always, farbode. Peace. Go Dodgers.